Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. between their most forbidden desires and their greatest fear. All I ask for in payment is a tale, an accounting of their lives in the great temporary that is the land of the living. These are their stories. This is the passage. February 1967. Ah, yeah. The world is frozen. Smells of ice. Bleach. 
a winter storm uh, passed through last week, swallowing the township in a, a lovely blanket of snow, erasing the ugly mud of late winter, replacing it with a clean, white palette, unblemished, pure. But purity is fleeting. The snow melts, turns to barriers of black slush, a frozen reservoir, a sieve for all the daily grime, debris and stench of the 20th century, and it keeps it on display until the spring melt. And so it is with everything. All forms are but sieves filtering the cosmic debris. All figures are but a collection of particles caught in a fleeting dance. All souls are but eddies in the great river of time. So it is with my next passenger, J. Robert Oppenheimer, the father of the bomb. A man of science, truly uh, a man so obsessed with the pursuit of knowledge, so in love with the question of how, that he pursued it into a type of hell for himself and for the earth. No idea, no matter how pure it appears, lives in a vacuum. It's one thing to steal fire from the gods. It's entirely uh, something else to safeguard that power from other thieves. In this way, humankind has continuously improved its arms technology since the Stone Age. And now it wields a weapon so uh, powerful it is too destructive to be used. And the only way these leaders can conceive of defending against complete annihilation is to harness the power for themselves. It is not within range of human imagination what will happen when the world goes to war with the technology it possesses now. All of the bombs dropped in the Second World War combined. A war that wiped entire cities off the map. Pale in comparison to the destructive power of a single missile strapped into one nuclear submarine and wired to a trigger. Genghis Khan, Alexander the Great, Hitler, none of these had such power. A weapon of gods in the hands of human beings. As another of my brilliant passengers said, when such a war happens, the one after that will undoubtedly be fought with sticks and stones. Robert Oppenheimer was the father of this nuclear age. On its surface, a bright, clean energy for healthy families and a strong, secure nation. Pure as the snow, but beneath this blanket of white, this nation roils with an insatiable lust for ever more power. Ignited by fear and fueled by madness, Oppenheimer sat at the starting line of this great and terrible arms race. He held the starting gun to the sky. 
he pulled the trigger. Jon Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. arrived. I had not imagined you would, but the world holds more than mere imagination can contain. Are you death? I'm here to offer you passage. Interesting. Well, though I was a man of science, I've become increasingly open-minded since the first attack. Nice car as well. No doubt an illusion, down to the tint of the windows and design. The same make an FBI agent would escort me in. Though I've certainly fallen out of their favor these past years. Amazing how the destruction of innocence is applauded with patriotic fervor, but warnings from scientists are only cause for condemnation and ridicule. Come.
Do you know how long the contamination dust from a single nuclear test remains radioactive? How long it will be before any nuclear site can possibly hope to be habitable? The bombs we dropped in World War II were one one-thousandth the power of the devices tested today. And the devastation those first bombs caused. Do you hear them? You do, don't you? Their cries sound of the wind on jagged rocks. The sounds of broken bodies crushed by rubble. Ribs protruding as pierced lungs fail to gather breath. I see all of them. My God. I am all of them. Aren't I? Of course. And they are me. There is a woman holding her child. She can't know what's happening. How could anyone? She only has time for instinct as she clutches the child to her chest. The eyes are the first to burn. Blessed is she that could not watch her child dissolve in her arms. To the outside world, it would seem their suffering ended in no time at all. But we physicists know that time is simply an abstraction. It exists only as a convenient way to denote our shared, ongoing entropy. And I tell you, our collective decay and destruction is more intertwined than I ever thought possible. The interconnected structure of the universe. <coughs> made mistakes in my life. No, to call them mistakes would be disingenuous. I intended, worked towards, and accomplished what I set out to do. I have begun to pay for those actions, and believe we are a short distance from where I will suffer for time eternal, if there be any justice. Now that I have died, the pain has worsened. It seems to have taken on a more metaphysical quality. No longer does a simple nervous system, easily dulled with medicine, quickly overwhelmed and protected by the brain's defenses, solely carry the burden. In parts of me unknown, I feel the atomic fires that have killed thousands of people over. I am their collective anguish. Yet, I observe myself too. Why not me? Why did my life bring me to this vantage point? What are the chances of the billions of people who have ever lived and died? What are the chances that I would end up on this side of the bomb? Why did I not drown with those burning as they sought relief by flinging themselves into the river's currents? Why did I not vomit irradiated blood in such quantities I shouldn't be possible? Why was I fated to only observe from the safety of the far shore of position and stature? But even still, there is another aspect. I witnessed the loss of the survivors, and I know it will never cease. 
Whole families disintegrated into their constituent parts. But how much worse is it for those who survive? Their mourning, their guilt. It's not even the eventual suicides. The poisonings, the self-inflicted gunshot wounds. Those are a relief. I witness the unending grief of those left behind. I don't suppose you'll tell me where we're going until we get there. Do not worry, if you are even capable of such a thing. I have no protestations as to my fate. I long for it. I imagine these voices are a manifestation of my guilt. The human psyche is capable of infinite fantasy and metaphor. Why is it then that empathy escapes us? Can't you hear the anguish in their voices? I suppose guilt is a sort of penance. But the sickles of their screams continue to rip away whatever noble intentions remain within me. When it began, immediately after Hiroshima, I awoke screaming, thinking the culprits tore at my flesh. I soon realized the truth. Their punishment cuts much deeper than bone. And what can be done about my agony? My oppressors rend fundamental matter through the terrible strength of their collective emotion. Is there any wisdom, consciousness, any evolution at all? Any evolution at all? It can be achieved through such absolute suffering. <coughs> Excuse me. More blood, it seems. And sharpness in my throat like a rusted blade. My executioners are infinite in number and infinitesimal in size. I posit that they are not comprised of matter, but of the vast empty space between matter as the misshapen nuclei of our experiments wrap their way around Earth, buried themselves into our crops, our water, our bodies. The lamentation of those I damned came in their wake. Those who tear me asunder speak no words, for anguish is universal. It should be me too. Endlessly torn apart, atom by atom, neurons screaming all the while. I have witnessed each death a hundred times over every second of the day. No, even in the spaces between seconds, in the gaps between perception. They tear at what is me, the electricity between synapses. But these horrors do not twist or mutate my DNA. I intuit in every detail the horrors and atrocities that we, the members of the project, our government, and our people have freely distributed. Perhaps my soul is at the very flashpoint of fault, the ground zero of blame. But I do not see myself as a martyr for some higher cause. I am not so vain to think that I am the only one due to be held responsible 
or that my suffering is the inevitable path to some sort of deliverance. Though, if this were possible, I have spent the vast majority of my life trying to be of benefit to humanity. And what has that gotten us? Absolute destruction. Three weeks exactly from the Trinity test to the annihilation of Hiroshima. We rationalized our work to ourselves. Scientists are good at that. It should be blasphemy for me to even speak of heaven. If I, for all my crimes, am not destined to be an inmate in a Hadean cell, who among us is? The molecules that comprise the victims of my crimes disperse across the earth, searching on the westerlies. They have found me. The energy interlaced between their elemental bonds is anguish, plain and simple. These atoms are pulled from infants, mothers, test subjects. They cling to my bones and sing to me of every life destroyed. The truth of physics is this. There is malice between atoms. Nations agree not to blow each other to hell, pinky swearing on crossed fingers while they wear the smile of a spider in hiding. Perhaps human suffering itself is a form of energy, and I am a conduit. I was there when the bomb fell. I am there now. With every scream, I inhabit the body of another victim, another soul whose blackened skull is still perhaps hidden in the debris. In this moment, I am a baker. There are planes overhead. Do you hear them? There were always so many. We tuned out their ceaseless droning. What else could we do? Even in war, you have to live. I am at work when the world ends. My body slams to the floor. The shop becomes upturned and throws itself apart, and yet... I hear no sound. The end of the world seems so... quiet. Glass and dust rain sideways through burning air. The customer that had just left the front door of my shop becomes a silhouette against the wall. I do not yet know that this is the quietest it will ever be in my life again. Then the first sound. I see people running. The fires the collapsing homes, but they remain silent. At first, anyway. It's not that the ringing in my ears is fading, but that suffering becomes louder. door with blood pouring from my ears. No. I only witness. 
Armageddon. Bodies and parts of bodies caked with ash and blood. People aflame and begging for death. I find myself in a trance, sleepwalking almost, following a familiar path, and I realize I am headed for home. But I will never arrive. I can't find the path. How can I? The world is a burning snow globe. The only semblance it holds to the place I knew before is in the skeletons of buildings, still burning. But I am not them. I am not still wandering in a daze when I notice black paint begin to stain the horrors that surround me. No, not paint. Rain. Yes, a black rain is washing over all. A thought occurs to me. This is a uniquely human torture. No vengeful god would have dared dreamt this up. It is not I who looks upward to see where the rain could come from. And that blackened sky is not the last thing I see. That radioactive mixture of debris, moisture, and human ash falls not into my eyes and takes not my sight. It does not burn, and I do not scream until consciousness fades. I do not die, and yet, this will happen to them. After two hellish weeks in a military hospital, as they poke and prod what remains of them, but not me. I won't become a festering mass of idiot cells, never properly dividing, oozing into themselves all the while. Not me. I can only imagine I was there when the bomb fell. This ride. I wish I could say that it's comforting. It reminds me much of my time with the project. A silent driver escorting me to an unknown location. And truly only myself for company. What progress humanity could make if we weren't so engaged in eating our own. It may be that I have become emboldened by your silence. No doubt you ferried your share of self-loathing riders to their destination, though perhaps none quite so guilty. Perhaps it would benefit humanity as a collective that I be condemned to the fires of Hades. Perhaps my suffering may be able to sway the physical world in some real, tangible way from past the veil. Some beneficial way. I know now that organic and inorganic matter, life and death, are ridiculous nonsense definitions given by our prescriptivist mindset. Yet again, what can be done with this knowledge? Tell me, sir, could it be... Could it be that the altruism of a species dictated by eternal reward and punishment is, at least in some way, correct? Could my suffering grace those yet unborn to an even greater happiness? <coughs> Our country is one steeped in fear. America, down to its roots, grows stronger 
through fear. We are a powerful and reactionary bunch, and if there are no witches to find, we will always make our own. We are built on such malignant ideals, and it's absolutely what has strengthened us. I spent my life in pursuit of understanding and discovery. What I have discovered first and foremost is this. Whatever knowledge you gain, you give to the best of humanity, and you simultaneously give to the worst of us. What exponential power we grant evil, and so, so quickly. The more we collectively discover, the farther behind each individual is in the whole scheme of things. So, we put our minds together like ants to solve some massive problem, and by God do we solve these problems we've created. We will be the end of ourselves, I've no doubt. And when we do, when our molecules coast on the trade winds and pool under the currents around the Sargasso Sea, we, all of us, will know the pain beneath it all. Victims upon victims will try to find comfort, safety, refuge, and retribution. Radioactive elements that used to make up our loved ones will smash into ourselves, tearing us asunder even more. This is beyond neurons, beyond chemical signals in the brain, electrical impulses. Agony is the one unifying function of the universe. I know there isn't an escape, nor an end. Do you know how many people, discovering their loved ones strewn about the street, try to collect the pieces more than you would expect? I have not been that mother collecting slippery pieces of her proudest creation. I have not been those pieces. Please, dear driver, take me to hell. What punishment can be worse than what I feel now? This may be my hubris speaking, but could unceasing pain be any less of a punishment than what humanity puts the smallest and the weakest of us through? The old gods know that it's the respite that hurts the most. Sisyphus must rue the walk down the mountain. There's a joy in suffering. There's a fear in safety. When Prometheus passes out from the pain every night, how he must dread that temporary calm. Empathy, it seems, is not some frightened bird in our hands. It does not escape us, but erodes bit by bit with each choice we make against it. It becomes a burden, an obstacle in our path towards that unobtainable idea of a more complete understanding. We run toward this idea, never moving, yet trampling all the while those we imagine to be against us. I should be made to suffer like them, 
I should be torn apart, particle by particle for eternity. Like them, if destruction is the ultimate destination of our species, if the human race is doomed to transfer our energy into tragedies, so be it. Let me scream from the depths of hell. Let my DNA melt. Let me grieve in an endless howl. Perhaps my voice made manifest in the guilty consciences of my co-conspirators would help to keep a finger from a trigger or a Bombay closed. Add me to Hell's Chorus. I deserve nothing more. Ah, we seem to be stopping. I hope my words have swayed you. <sighs> what is this ferryman? This is your stop, Robert. This cannot be right. It's right. This was my desk, my chair, and I, I recognize this place. This is where we did the first tests. Explain. Well, uh, this, Robert, is uh, where you are meant to wait. For what? For the end. What end? For the end of the damage done by your invention. You will sit, observe, and wait. Wait for the last fallout of the last bomb to dissipate. For the background radiation levels to decay. Until all nuclear contamination of every nuclear test, every detonation is gone. And for the world to heal around it. You sat at this desk and did the work to create it. And now you will sit until your work is undone by time. You will not get the catharsis you crave until then. What am I to do until that time? It could be centuries. Yeah. And when the waiting is done? It's not my decision to make. <laughs> so, the purgatory of my own guilt before the flames. So be it. The destroyer of worlds has moved on. 
He brought great understanding to mankind, but uh, this understanding came with a terrible cost and, and blood and despair. So many worked on this atom bomb. Blame is often spread thin in these circumstances. It is rare to see someone take the weight of it so squarely on his shoulders. The technology that he left behind will continue to haunt mankind for generations to come. More and more of the bombs will be constructed and stockpiled and used to threaten and cajole. And then, uh, well, one day, uh, well, you see, this madman will uh, come along and... Well, but that's a tale for another day. The Passage stars Dan Fogler as the ferryman. This episode features Bill Rogers as Robert Oppenheimer written by Stephen Williams, with additional writing by Dan Bush and Nicholas Dukoski. Our executive producers are Nicholas Dukoski, Matthew Frederick, and Alexander Williams. First assistant director, script supervisor, and production coordinator, Sarah Klein. Music by Ben Lovett. Additional music by Alexander Rodriguez. Casting by Sunday Bowling Kennedy and Meg Mormon. Editing and sound design by Dan Bush. Dialogue editing and sound mixing by Juan Campos. Additional sound editing by Racket Sound. Our supervising producer is Josh Thane, created by Dan Bush and Nicholas Tukoski. Produced by Dan Bush, The Passage is a production of iHeartRadio and Psychopia Pictures. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now, this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side.